Thank you, George. Very good morning to you all. It's wonderful to be here and enjoy this lovely summer you're having. Two days, right? So it's great to be here, and uh, we just appreciate the partnership that the Crescent has, not just with us, but also the Campbells living and serving in South Africa. And what a tremendous opportunity to be two families serving in the same country and working together as the team as we do outreaches in different parts of South Africa like Heather do in the school and also mobilize the South African church to get involved in global missions. What a privilege it was to hear in the update that a team just arrived back from Albania. Wow, that's our beloved country. So for them, I'm sure you would have heard this word very, very often, Shumir, Shumir. <laughs> so it's great, it's great uh, to see all the partnerships and what's happening through the church as a team just returned from Albania, one is in Uganda, another one's off to, uh, coming um, to South Africa to come and work with us. And it's great to just see what God is doing, not just here yeah, the Crescent, but throughout the world. And I thought this morning, for the time that I have, just to do a little bit of a snapshot of God's mission, the Missio Deo, uh, and, and, and just a snapshot of some of the scriptures, we, we see God working in the world with what he has in his heart to reach the peoples of the world, and then also to have a particular focus on two spots where this whole concept of scattering people come around. And then, of course, lastly, we'll, we'll close with a little clip of what God is doing and allowing in scattering nations and foreigners to live in different places, seeing that we have quite a multicultural uh, congregation here this morning. So, uh, my scripture reading is found in Revelations chapter 7, uh, verse number 9, and we'll take it from there. So, Revelations uh, 7, verse number 9. And this is John, um, the vision into the future, and this is what he sees and records. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one, no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages. They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Lord, thank you that the flower fades, uh, the grass withers, but your word is forever established and settled in the heavens. Bless this word as we look into it now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So John Piper says, mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. That's quite a desponding statement, but listen to the follow-up. Mission is not the ultimate goal of the church, worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It's a temporal necessity, but worship abides forever. And what we read this morning is the picture of the future, of what is going to happen when we come before the throne room of God and there from every nation, every tribe will be represented and worshipping 
this one true God. You see, friends, mission is not just in one or two scriptures in the Bible, but it is in the heart of God. And God is a missional God. God has a vision for all the peoples of the earth to bow down one day and worship him. There's an old Latin term called Messio Deo, which means the mission of God or the sending of God. It refers to the great mission to restore humanity to God's self, and that's done through Jesus Christ and through the church. So when we think of missions in the Bible, it's not just Matthew 28 going into all the world, but the mission of God has been embedded in the heart of God right from the beginning of time. You see, mission is not just one little verse here and there in the Bible, but it actually permeates the entire Bible. It's actually, there's only one story in the Bible, and that's the mission of God to the people's of the world, and he does it through different ways and different uh, things in the Bible. The Bible has a lot to say about the subject matter, which is the mission of God, Messio Deo. And if we turn to uh, Genesis, you can just follow with me. Genesis, when God creates um, Adam and Eve, he then says something that reveals his heart and his mission for planet Earth. And that's found in Genesis 1, verse 28. Yes, Adam and Eve, the first two of God's creation, and God blessed them and said to them, Adam, Eve, be fruitful and multiply, fill the garden. No. If you read there, it says, fill the earth. You see, this is a very interesting command. God's first two creation. Just not the garden, Adam, but multiply and fill the entire earth. See, God had a vision right there with humanity. And his vision was just as Adam and Eve physically will populate the earth, so will they spiritually populate the earth. Can you see that picture, what God had right from the start? One day, every nation, every tribe worshipping the one true God. However, we know in chapter 3, sin enters the world, and by chapter 8, the world is not a good place anymore. And when God comes to Noah after the flood, listen to his heart being revealed to Noah. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, exactly the same command that he gave Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Noah, don't just populate your little village, your little town, but fill the earth. Again, we have the command that God's heart was for all the peoples of the earth. But we come to chapter 11, and we have a dilemma, because everybody speaks one language, and all of a sudden they realize, hey, we look the same, we talk the same, we eat the same, we dress the same, let's just settle the urge to settle. It's in all of us. We all like our comfort, right? And I know we do that here in Northern Ireland as well, it's like in South Africa and across the globe. We like to be comfortable because it's a safe, secure place. And this is what happened. God steps in. These people wanted to be comfortable. They wanted to build this nice tower because they didn't want to scatter. God steps in, and what does God do? He scatters the people 
across the face of the earth and he confuses them with different languages. Now you will say, well, what is God going to do? He has a picture of every nation, every tribe worshipping him. Now all of a sudden, the entire earth is filled with different peoples, with different languages. How is God going to fill this mission, this messio deo, this, this plan to redeem all of mankind that one day all of them will come and worship him. Well, the very next chapter, God starts with a man, and he starts with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, God come to Abraham and said, Abraham, leave everything that you have, your dreams, your ambitions, your, 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 your future, and go to the nations. And God actually says to him, um, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land and, that I will show you, and I will bless you. And again, watch this command, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You see this vision that God had of one day in time, in history, all the peoples of the earth falling before the throne of God and worshiping him. And so what happens? Abraham left and he went out. And you'll notice then in the Old Testament, he says from, from Abraham, he then moves to Isaac, um, uh, to Jacob, exactly the same words. Go and be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And then throughout the Old Testament, we notice Israel. God wanted to use Israel as a nation to reveal himself to all the heathen nations around Israel. And then we step into the New Testament. We notice that Jesus, as he comes into the scene, the incarnate God, and whether it was Jesus taking a longer route to reach a Samaritan woman or healing various Gentiles to teach his followers, Jesus maintained the the, exactly the same pattern that was established in the Old Testament, which was hidden in the heart of God. And what did Jesus say in Luke ch chapter 19, verse 10? The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus, when he went on in his ministry, he went to the temple. What was one of the first things he did? He cleared out the temple and then he made a statement. My house shall be called a house of prayer, not for the Jewish nation or some nations, but all nations. And Matthew 24 verse 14 says to us very clear, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And Mark chapter 16 verse 15 says, go into all the world and preach the good news. And of course then, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, was, he, he, he died and then he, he was resurrected. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit is being poured out in the, in the book of Acts and the church starts. And what pattern do we see there again? We see exactly the same. The church then took this message and took it to the streets, towns, villages, and shared this good news, this messio deal, this vision, this mission that was in the heart of God to redeem mankind, and they started to share. And then we come to um, chapter 9, and we notice something happens to the church, this whole scattering. Persecution takes place, and the church is scattered. 
And God uses scattering throughout the, the Bible so that his name, his fame can be established amongst the nations. And then, of course, God raises up Paul as the cross-cultural missionary that herald the cross, going into other places and learning languages and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, God's heart is for all the peoples of the earth. This mission of God, this messio deo, God wants to redeem all the peoples of the earth. We're living in exciting days because God is doing some phenomenal things that we can't even understand. I like what Habakkuk says when he's having this debate with God. All of a sudden, God drops him and drops something there like a bombshell and says, look at the nations and watch and be amazed because I'm doing something that even if I told you, you will not comprehend or understand. And the very next chapter, he says, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I mean, God is working in unprecedented ways. So if I came to you about 28, 29 years ago, there was no gospel in Albania. Now the church goes there every summer. There was no Bible. There was no church. The Spirit of God is moving in unprecedented ways across the nations. I remember when in 1999, when the war happened in Albania, and we had an influx of all these Kosovo refugees that came to Albania, and we stopped everything that we were doing, and we focused on these, these refugees that came to Albania, and every Sunday we would have tons of them coming to church, and we would just preach the gospel. I'll never forget six months later after the war ended, we went to visit some of the Albanians in Kosovo. And I sat in a church in, in the city of Peya, and an old man tapped me on my back. He said, Pranesh, you don't remember me, but I used to come to your church during the Kosovo. He was Albanian, uh, Kosovo Albanian. And he says, thank you for sharing the gospel, because when I came back to Kosovo, I met Jesus. And I got baptized, and now I'm part of this local church. Isn't that amazing how God, even through some of these calamities, uses all of this so that people can come to know him? Very recently, with the whole Syrian conflict, it was reported by one of our OM staff that there was a boat that was traveling towards Greece. And in this boat were all these Muslim families, and there was a young girl sitting on the back of the boat, and all of a sudden, she fell into the water as the, the water was quite turbulent. And uh, uh, the men got hysterical, and they started to look and see how they can grab this. And whilst they were uh, trying to help this girl, they look on the back of the boat, and here was the girl sitting there, and they couldn't understand that. And they said to her, but didn't you fall over? She said, yes, I fell over, but this man in white grabbed me. He's sitting on our boat. He was with this boat all the time. And as the boat then reached Gr uh, Greece... There was this, um, um, uh, with the police all there, but there was a ministry of OM, and they were reaching out to the immigrants that were coming into Greece, and they sat them down uh, with a warm meal and blankets, and then they were sharing the gospel. And, and, they shared the, and they shared the story about Jesus being on the boat. And this girl looked up and said, hey, that was the man that helped me and picked me up when I fell into the water. And that girl and her family gave her life to Jesus. They would have never had that opportunity in Syria, but that's what God 
is doing as we think about uh, missions today. So, if you think about the scattering, God, we notice in Genesis chapter 11, God had to scatter these people. But then God raises up a man the very next chapter. If you think about the scattering in, in the book of Acts, there was tremendous growth in the church and all of a sudden persecution came and when persecution came there was a scattering of the believers but wherever the believers went they spread the good news in the days and the times that we are living there seems to be another scattering and it's not the scattering of the church it seems like the whole nations are in turmoil and there's people movement across the globe like never in the history of mankind right now they say there's Oh, and that's the latest of the UN stats that say there are over 258 million people on the move. On the move because there is crisis, there's war, economical reasons, international students that are living in other places. And what an opportunity for us to take that message and welcome these people and introduce them to the love of Christ. There's a little clip that I want us to play as I end, and then I'll conclude with a few uh, closing numbers. Just watch this and see what God is doing across the world. The world is in crisis. The number of people forcibly displaced by war, conflict, or persecution recently reached a record high of 60 million. That includes over 15 million refugees. All over the world, people are migrating in search of a better life for themselves and for their children. The result is huge population shifts. As of last year, 14% of America's population was foreign-born. It's estimated that over 42% of Sydney, Australia's population is foreign-born. Our demographic landscape is changing dramatically. And we can easily allow the multitude of cultural voices, from political parties to media outlets, drive the way we feel about the world moving from all nations to all nations. As believers, though, the only outside voice we should care about is God's. So what does the Bible say about God's heart for the foreigner? Depending on your Bible translation, you'll see the words aliens, sojourners, foreigners, and strangers over 100 times in Scripture. In Deuteronomy alone, God commands his people to love the foreigner, use tithes to bless the foreigners, assemble with foreigners to listen to God's word, invite foreigners to holidays and feasts, and to take care of the physical needs of foreigners. Why would God issue such commands? Again, Deuteronomy makes it clear. Because the Israelites were once foreigners in Egypt. Because the Israelites were slaves and God redeemed them and, ultimately, so that others could learn to fear the Lord and follow God. God's instructions on this matter go far beyond Deuteronomy, though. Think about the story of Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner from Moab who married a Jewish man who died, leaving her a widow. Culturally, Ruth should have returned to her native land to be reunited with her own family and her own people. Indeed, Naomi, her mother-in-law, encourages her to do just that. But Ruth won't leave. She had been shown so much love and kindness by Naomi that she proclaimed, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. 
Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Ruth decided to forsake the beliefs of her own people in order to follow the one true God of Israel. Imagine what could happen if Christians all over the world welcomed, loved, and showed hospitality to the refugees, immigrants, and international students flooding into our countries. We could have a great harvest of people saying, I want your people to be my people, and your God to be my God. God's concern for the foreigner continues into the New Testament. Which commandments did Jesus proclaim as the greatest? Yep, love God and love your neighbor. He goes on to explain that your neighbor is not the person you expect, but the Samaritan, the foreigner, the one not like you, the one you would normally avoid. Jesus didn't just teach God's love for the foreigner, he demonstrated it by healing Gentile demoniacs, engaging in a spiritual debate with a Samaritan woman at a well, praising the faith of a Roman centurion, and celebrating the Gentile widow from Zarephath who fed Elijah. These were all foreigners, outcasts, strangers. In Acts chapter 2, who were the first people to hear the wonders of God in their own languages at Pentecost? It was the foreigners dwelling in Jerusalem. That's right, the first people to respond to the gospel when the Holy Spirit showed up were the nations living among the Jews. Paul makes God's intentions clear in his sermon at the Areopagus, where he proclaims, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. What if we took that message to heart? What if the movement of peoples all over the world is not something to fear? What if the influx of immigrants, refugees, and international students is, in fact, a blessing, an opportunity orchestrated by God in order to fulfill the Great Commission? Historically, missions has been focused on leaving your context and going out to reach the nations, and that must continue. But perhaps welcoming is just as strategic in the mission for God to be glorified among every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And remember, according to Ephesians 2, we were all strangers and foreigners, even enemies to the kingdom, before Jesus made a way for us to be citizens, children, and heirs. Pray, give, go, welcome. Where is God calling you? So as you will notice, this, this video clip was made about 12 years ago. But just the demographics has changed significantly. They say 60 million. The United Nations latest report says 254 million, uh, 58 million people. That's 3.4% of the world's population on the move. What an opportunity. As I conclude this morning, what an opportunity. We don't understand the ways of God. But God is using the scattering of the nations. He's bringing people to the doorstep of the church. We no more have to leave, and we should be leaving and going to the foreign nations, but they come to us. And we have this wonderful ministry even in South Africa where we reach out to Somalians. And just recently, one of the Somalians came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. But tremendous persecution, and we are hoping to disciple and train this young man so he can go back into one of the most volatile, aggressive, and hard nations in Africa to reach. He's got the language, he's got the culture. That's what God is using. So let's, as we see this mission of God, even though we don't understand the ways of God, God uses these things 
so that we can have opportunities to reach people, that we can help to fulfill this mission of God. One day, every nation, every tribe, falling before the face of, of God and just worshiping Him and saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord, thank you again for this tremendous opportunity to present just your heart for the peoples of the earth, your mission for all the peoples of the earth. Thank you for the Crescent and thank you for their wonderful work they're doing across the world and right here in their doorstep. Would you encourage us this morning that as we respond to you, Lord, that we will respond in saying, here am I, use me. I'm available to be part of the mission of God and what God is doing through the church in these times that we are living. So thank you so much, Lord Jesus. Let this word challenge us, inspire us, so that we can be more involved in your mission in the world today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.